Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 204, we wrap up hashtag Lean Six Sigma for Good with Brian Hurley, part three of our discussion over how you can use your Lean Six Sigma skills to help people in need and help improve the environment. All of these details can also be found in Brian's free book, Lean Six Sigma for Good. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. So getting back to your own personal impact, um, you have some, you've evolved or conditioned yourself in such a way to be very cognizant of the kind of impact you are having and and you take very deliberate efforts to either eliminate or do something to make up for that impact can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you try to do in your own personal life yeah so um you know just trying to again take one thing at a time you know changing my vehicles over the years i try to go to more and more uh fuel efficient vehicles from a, a car that I got that I didn't even know what the miles per gallon was to a Prius to now I'm doing an electric car where I'm just plugging in. And there's that doesn't mean it's zero impact. It just means there's a different energy source from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gasoline. It's maybe it's coal. But uh, in Oregon, that's that mix is um, a lot better than other places. So it, overall, it, it helps. Um and then just, you know, daily decisions about what I buy and trying to reduce my the waste that I generate for travel. So that's always a challenge because my job is consulting and then I might be asked to go somewhere. So I do offset my travel. Um, I figured out some ways of calculating my impact of a flight and then donating money to I didn't I'm not doing a carbon offset. I just came up with a way to calculate out a donation to a nonprofit that I like. OK, so I came up with a little calculator tool. Whether it's 100% accurate or not, it's close enough, I think. And so it also, you know, it's, is it perfect? The perfect situation would be I don't travel. I don't fly in an airplane. Because I think that would be very limiting, and I don't know if that's the right solution. Right. So um, there's other people who have made those type of commitments and say, I'll never fly again because I think it's, our carbon emissions is too high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not ready to go to that level yet. So this is a way that maybe it just makes me feel better or feel like I'm maybe – moving things in the right direction a little bit. But so things like that I've been trying to do in terms of minimizing my impact. And that, that's something that was part of uh, something I went through called the B Corporation mm-hmm. certification. I don't know if you've heard of that, the B Corps or benefit com- company. No. Okay. So that's um, early on. You asked me about where are some of these organizations that are kind of thinking about these types of things. And, and that group is one of those organizations that are starting to pop up that, they basically have to put together a package that says, here's how we are becoming more sustainable. We're, um, and that that's a very broad term in terms of environmental impacts, in terms of the mix of ethnicities and diversity in the organization to um, your purchasing decisions as um, where you get your supplies. Mm-hmm. There's different categories in there, and you have to meet a certain level of score to be considered a B corporation. And that just means that you're moving in the right direction and you're trying to be conscious about all the things you're doing as an organization to be to basically yeah, try to do the right thing. So there's thousands of organizations that have joined on, on that. Mm-hmm. 
certification now. Now, getting back to a little bit to your book and and coming to this uh, bit of impact where I I feel you are very conscious about it, and I think that's that's really what sets you apart from somebody like me who thought they were environmentally conscious or at least you know in spirit, right? Um, but then you you come through. Uh, you've you've offered your book free digitally. Um, you've given me a signed copy of the book. And you did it willingly, but you, but there was so many other things you did in the details of this book. Um, and I don't exactly know all the details except for one of them. And I could tell that it was a very much a, um, you know, the, the, and I still kept it because I consider it to be as, as part of the book now. And that's the envelope that you sent the book in, which was clearly recycled, clearly, um, very deliberate in the, the choice that you made. So talk a little bit about the, the deliberate in the choice you made and, and the, the materials that went into the book and, and even just sending it out. Yeah. So part of what I talked earlier about becoming an author and, and what that meant. And um, like I said, that really wasn't something I was interested in doing, but it was encouraged many different, I've heard many different podcasts that kind of encourage that as a way to organize your thoughts partly, and then also reach that new audience. And then basically it's a very expensive business card. <laughs> Mm-hmm. kind of lays out, here's my thoughts and views. And if you like that, then maybe you'll reach out and connect and or consider me for work in the future. And so if I was to promote this idea around that um, need to make decisions based on the triple bottom line, then I better make this book in that same regard. And so um, because I didn't think it was going to be, you know, a New York Times bestseller or anything like that, <laughs> it was something I knew that I was just going to put out there and I wanted to reach a specific audience. And I didn't care how they got it. I just know that I was really more concerned about just trying to expand that audience and get people to download it or access it in any any means that they like. So, yeah, I did make it digital for free. I created an audio book for it. And then if someone does like books and people do like physical books to look at and and read through and even uh, dog ear the pages or underline it or they just physically like to take a book with them, then – I did want to create a book for that. So, so just trying to find the most green paper to use. And then the cover paper is a little different. And, and so actually the first round of, of the books was not recycled paper. And now I'm just doing a batch, small batch right now of another 20 that will have a more eco-friendly cover mm-hmm. paper to it. Um, yeah, the inside, I think, is um, something called Tree Zero. It's not even made from paper. Mm-hmm. Um and um, then just really trying to encourage people to download it and um, not get the physical book if they don't really need to or want to, just to minimize the shipment cost and the actually production of the book itself. Right. And the envelope goes with that, right? So the yeah, <laughs> trying to find the most sustainable material that you know made from recycled content, um, and so that that adds cost to it. Um, but that's the, kind of the the dilemma too. In a lot of cases, still the the cost to do a more sustainable option is a little bit higher. Right. And so, but it's, it's important. And so that was something that kind of built baked into it. So it's okay. That's just how the, that's the cost that it is. I could do it less expensive, but that's not really my goal. And and really goes, it really goes with um, what you were saying. And it's similar to your, your travel. If, if I'm going to travel, all right, I've got the, the cost of the ticket and I have the cost of whatever this other thing is I'm going to do to offset the uh, impact of the ticket it it makes you maybe makes you if, if it's an economical choice you might say well i love the environment 
Mm-hmm. And this is this this price tag, this double price tag is is uh, making me demonstrate how much I love the environment. <laughs> do I really need to spend? Do I really need to go? I guess is the question. And how how do, how do you work through vacations in with that kind of? I mean, traveling for work is one thing, but yep. traveling for joy and recreation, you got to enjoy your life. How does that struggle go? Yeah, I just basically that's the price. I mean, you're you're going to pay extra for that if you want to go somewhere. And mm-hmm. I've been fortunate to be able to go some nice places. And um, I like I enjoy traveling. And so I think that that those are those trade offs that you make. And you say, okay, you know, you, you can know, you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out all the impacts. Even being being alive, you're going to impact the environment. Right. You can't eliminate that. And so you have to kind of do some trade offs with that. And so. It, it helps a little bit that I know that I'm trying to minimize my impact, but there is still a little bit of guilt when I go somewhere and it's a long trip that, mm-hmm. um, do I have to go there? Could I have just done a local trip? You know, there, that always is a struggle, but I just say that if it's not, if I can't afford the extra costs that I think it's going to add, and it's not like it's double necessarily, but it's, um, right. a few percentage more when you, when you look at it, then maybe I can't afford it yet. I need to wait or, that's the price I need to pay right. to, be, um, to do it right. You know, that goes along with uh, some, I'd say, I'm not I'm not really a, a student of it. I've just heard some books, but um, some the Buddhist thinking, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, it's more about, not necessarily about you being impact-free, even, even in um, living by the Buddha, but recognizing that your existence here does have an impact and you don't have to live your life uh you don't have to live your life in constant shame of that impact, but recognize it and respect it and uh, give your, you know, give your thanks back in, in the ways that you, you can. I think that's exactly right. It's, it's being aware of, of what's going on and, and being conscious of that and then making decisions with that knowledge. And it, and it may not change your decision, but at least you say, I'm, I know I'm making decisions. I'm not blind to what's going on there. Um, and then over time, that will start to factor in your decisions more and more. But definitely, I don't want people to think that, you know, they've got to dramatically change their life. And and that's going to scare people off from doing anything. There's And that's not the goal. The goal is to it's continuous improvement, really, for right. your own personal life that says every day I'm going to do a little bit better than I did the day before. And sometimes I'm going to take two steps back and have defects and errors and and waste and and. But over the long term, I think I'm moving in the right direction. And by, um, and I'm not, I don't, I try to treat it like I would a, a lean engagement or process improvement is try to show it through behavior, um, not by shaming people or yelling at people or calling them out on something they're doing because they could easily point out something I'm doing, I'm sure. So it's more just about the, like you said earlier, servant leadership is. This is the behaviors I'm ex- I'm exhibiting, and if you notice, that's probably going to be more impactful than if I was to tell you you're doing something wrong and you should do it differently. For sure. People don't like that. So they're more likely to figure out, oh, this is my idea. I noticed you were doing this, and I'm going to start doing that myself. <laughs> I've gotten a lot more response that way than talking to people about this type of thing. So right. that's just a good behavior change methodology. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit every day. So, you know, if if I were... You know, one of the one of the things that was eye opening for me is is how conscious you are about um, how you your impact. But this was a journey. How long of a journey would you say it was for you? It was probably going on almost ten years now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I met my wife, she was much more aware of what was going on than I was. I would say I was pretty blind to a lot of things. I mean, I, I'd seen the, the movie, the Al Gore movie in 2006, and that mm-hmm. was really eye-opening to me that there was this problem out there I didn't know about. But I, it took me a year or two to actually start to change behaviors a little bit. And I had a lot of questions. And she basically provided me mentorship around that. Like, what is composting exactly? Why does it work? Why are we supposed to do that? I don't understand this. And she tried to explain it to me, and she'd say, I don't know. Go look it up. But this is the gist of it. And I peppered her with lots of questions for a while. And then uh, eventually I just did my own research and started to learn about some of these things. And then um, I I realized I needed more education. So I I went back to school and got some more education, some more formal education, met some great people, got involved in some projects. Then that light bulb went off, you know, maybe a year or two into that, that, you know, this Lean and Six Sigma process improvement stuff is – exact type of thing that is needed it's mm-hmm. data about problems going on and i know how to solve problems with data and get the right data and do something with that information i, I think i've got a skill set that can help with some of these issues that's when i really got excited and kind of went full board into this is like this is really what i think i've been looking for is that that um, passion or that will you know what am i going to do when i grow up and i think that's the first time where the light bulb went up i really liked the work i was doing but I was missing that little piece that says, so what? Yeah, the yields got better on a product. Great. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really fuel my passion around that. But then I said, if I can impact uh, society, even a small scale for what I can do, I think that's going to be a lot more rewarding to me. And it has been. And so that's slowly been moving more and more of my time into these types of areas where I'm able to start to work on bigger problems. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, yeah. So it's been probably about 10 years now. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, and that is, our new environmental protection agency. Um, mm-hmm. What, what, what is the buzz? Um, are, are there, is there anger in the circles you travel in or is it a, a bump in the road with a, um, the light at the end of the tunnel? What good might come out of it? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've heard uh, mixed things. Um, a couple of, there's actually been, there's one good thing coming out of this. And then there's a couple of things where I've heard people say I'm staying on because I don't want to let things get too far away. If I'm, I'm involved, then I can maybe do something about it or slow down changes that I don't think are right. Mm-hmm. Um, other people said, I don't want to go through this. I'm I'm leaving. I'm getting out of this because I don't like the direction it's going. The one thing that your audience would like is that there is a pro-business mindset around that. And mm-hmm. one of the things that has come re-emerged is lean process improvement methodology. And so that has come up and I've had some discussions with some people that they're starting to seek some of that information out. There was a big push back in early 2000s. And I might have mentioned this in an earlier podcast that there was this toolkits the EPA had right. put out. Um, so those are being dusted off, I think, and looking back and saying, can, can we go into the organizations and can we be of assistance to them? Not to catch them doing something wrong necessarily, but um, can we be a mentor for them or coach them and help them be successful and also help us accomplish our goals to reduce the impact on the environment. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, lean six sigma methodology can do exactly that. It's not going to solve all the problems, but it's a, it's a good icebreaker and a good way to get the foot in the door that has gained a little bit more interest. Um, and so we'll see where that goes in the future. But, um, working at my last company, I had a similar type of experience with someone in the government They came in and were helping us with a sustainability certification 
And I found it very valuable to have them as kind of an expert. And we would meet, you know, every couple of weeks. And that meeting helped us get prepared. It says, okay, she's coming in to see us. Let's, we haven't completed her actions, you know, really kind of held us accountable, mm-hmm. connected us with organizations that could help us. Hey, you've got that material. I know somebody who could use that material. Mm-hmm. Great. That's awesome. You know, so I think there, there is a need that the, the business community does need some help. And the more that you know, organizations can come in and be of assistance to that, not, you know, and there's a couple different approaches to it. You can kind of, um, scare them a little bit when you can also help them. I think some combination of the two is very powerful. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes. So yeah, my initial thought was a lot of concern and I've hearing that from people I know, but um, personally I've heard some other things that tell me that maybe there's an opportunity there to bring some of these skills into those areas and mm-hmm. educate and help organizations with, Hey, fix some of their business problems and some of the environmental issues will go away. As well. Right. So that's that's the positive part that might be coming on. Yes, yeah, so early I, to tell. Right when now. I put my own thought into it and try to find something positive, it's it's still more mostly question marks. You know, my, initially I was like, "This is insane. This is this is this is not what you do with a an agency for sustainability." And then mm-hmm. I'll take a step back and say, "Okay, well, maybe there's a theory. Maybe there's a theory that you know EPA has served its purpose, and most businesses." are uh, on a momentum in the right direction and they're and they're taking some level of responsibility for their environmental uh impact and direction and and that's still a big maybe um uh with the hopes that they don't just go off the rails just because the watchdog has uh loosened up mm-hmm. so that's where i'm coming from it's like okay there is some maturing maybe of, hopefully of the organization yeah hopefully. hopefully and but but there will always be someone come along um, who will, you know, the reason they want EPA out of the way is because it's hard to deal with the EPA rules. And the problem is the EPA rules are there to protect the public from mm-hmm. companies making profit at the expense of society, just like you've mentioned before. Exactly. I mean, if, if all the, the money was lined up, you wouldn't have to have some of the organizations we have because they'd be incentivized financially to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. But because those there's gaps in how that's done and that the full cost isn't being experienced by the organization, you need those these organizations to come in and fill that gap and say, we have to have laws and rules. And so, and, and then it still, all, it still ultimately comes back to the consumer that says, if I care about what those companies are doing, that's probably, you know, the EPA violation that they're sneaking by on now. It's probably not the only thing they're sneaking by on. Right. They're probably cutting benefits to their employees and they're probably, you know, trying to get out of other things. And and so it's probably a cultural thing that if someone was paying attention or interacting with them, they would see that this is, just, you know, an organization that maybe you don't want to support. And, and, and so this is almost like a tip of an iceberg type of thing. That, that is a good point. I'm sure there's all kinds of tax loopholes and all kinds of other mm-hmm. things that they're, that they're getting yep. around. And it's it's benefiting benefiting more the shareholder than the uh, the certainly the GDP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and that's um, and and that's how things are set up. You're as a shareholder, you have the right that the company makes decisions for profitability. It doesn't say you, you know, and that's um, the story with I think it was Craigslist was was bought out and they wanted to put ads on there and the owner and the guy who developed it said I don't want to do that mm-hmm. and I think there was a court case. And that's actually what 
created this benefit corporation status is that it protects the organization from saying, I, I can say no to low-cost decision-making. I don't have to only do what's right for the increased profits to the stakeholders or shareholders. Mm-hmm. They can actually have legal status to say, we're going to do what's right in the long-term success of our organization, and that might mean I'm going to spend more money up front right now, and it's going to make my quarter look bad, but I'm looking out to the long-term, and this is the right thing to do for the organization in the long run. And so that actually, a lot of that came out of the need to have something to counteract this desi- this almost forced to make profit only decisions mm-hmm. as a corporation, you know, that's especially publicly traded companies, almost like they're required to make money for the shareholders. They are required and it's meant, well, I shouldn't say they are required, but that is exactly how they operate. And I always find that if you are trying to make money and it is the it is the uh, the rules of the game that are keeping you from making that money. You're just not a very strong organization, <laughs> and you don't have the right creativity because if you can't win with the rules of the game, you need somebody to change the rules of the game, you're not winning. <laughs> that's yeah, the right. way I see it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I, and I think the you know, process improvement is a great way to go about it. If you focus on the process and you make your product better, the numbers will start to fall in line. Mm-hmm. You don't have to manage from the back end after the fact. If you focus on the front end part and you control your processes up front and you and you do all the right things, those inventory numbers are going to drop. The rework's going to drop. The customer satisfaction is going to go up. But you have to trust that if you you do the right things for the process, the end result will take care of itself. And and that includes the financials. And if you're managing a you know through the rear, rear view mirror you know analogy then you're going to be looking for how do I move this money around and, and take advantage of this tax loophole or how do we move our site and, and shift the money around and call it, this is, no, that money is not spending, that's investment and, and you're playing games and, and stuff like that. And that's not, I don't think that's the right way to run an organization. Right. You're looking for all these little loopholes and, and ways to, to succeed because you're not doing the other things right. All right, so we'll, let's uh, let's end it there, and uh, let's talk about some of these other things. That um, yeah, so the book is Lean Six Sigma for Good, and can be found at leansixsigmaforgood.com. You did mention Lean Portland. Um, is there any other words you want to talk about with Lean Portland uh, mission and and some things that you're working on there? Sure. Yeah. Um, so about the last two years, we've been doing volunteer work for nonprofits. Um, we've done a, I think we're on our sixth organization now. And it's made up of local Lean Six Sigma consultants in the area who just get together. Um, it's really kind of a, it's become a, a, a friendship group, really. I mean, mm-hmm. we've become really good friends. We get to um, talk shop with each other. We get to ex- exchange experiences. But the real goal was to get out and do something good with the skill set that we know we have with groups that we like and, and help them out. So that's been going on the last week, two years. And so that's when we started to do that. I felt like we were starting to get into a rhythm and this is really serious. Then I felt like that's, this is why I wanted to share this idea that it wouldn't it be great if we could get a similar type of group set up in every city in the world, you know, where they could all go out and, you know, it couldn't, doesn't have to be the Lean Six Sigma group. It could be your local lawyers or it could be your, um, whatever your job skills are, but go out and work with these nonprofits and offer the services Learn something from other practitioners that you work with, share best practices, have a good time, and make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I think that message is 
there's not that many groups I found. I think I found like three total, including our group. And they're at various stages of maturity and whether they're active or not. So I think there's a huge need for that. I think there's plenty of opportunity for that. And so that's my, my end goal would be that these groups start to pop up everywhere. And so if, if any of the listeners would like some help with that, or they can go to the Lean Six Sigma for Good website, and there's a link there that says look for volunteers or look for a group near you. And there's not that many groups. Then in the future, I'd love to see that grow to hundreds or thousands of groups. All right. Um, so where else can, can people contact you? And uh, it looks like you may have some, well, it looks like you're going to be traveling soon. So what do you got going on in Orlando? Orlando is the Institute for Industrial Systems Engineers conference, annual conference. That's actually where I got involved with this nonprofit work is they started a service project at the beginning of each of the conferences back in like 2013, I think. And they'd spend half a day at a nonprofit before the conference kicks off as part of the sustainable development division that I'm involved with. And mm-hmm. so this year we're going to be going to Habitat for Humanity, which will be the, the second one we've done as an organization, but it's in a new new location. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to probably look at their donation process and try to give them ideas on how to improve the workflow. There's not a whole lot we can do in the four hours other than try to expose them to right. some basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And then the key thing we've done in the last couple of years is we try to connect them up with the local chapter so that there's ongoing support. In the previous ones, we've kind of come in, done a little work, and left. And then they're saying, that was interesting or helpful, but now what? Right. And so now we're trying to connect them up ahead of time with the local chapter. And maybe they can continue to go in every month and continue that effort. That That's this coming up a week or two from now that we'll have the our next volunteer event for people coming to the conference. All right. Excellent. And um, thank you again for your time, Brian. Is there anything you want to add that uh, I haven't asked you about? Nope. Um, they can connect with me through LinkedIn. B-R-I-O-N. Spelled a little funny. Mm. Early is my last name. H-U-R-L-E-Y. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram. And then I think through the website, the Lean Six Sigma for Good website will connect me to connect you to the my business consulting website and the book things like that. So that's probably the best thing to go to. And then on that page, you'll see a lot of different case studies from not-for-profit or non-profit organizations applying Lean and Six Sigma techniques. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll do my best to search up some of these links. Uh, I have your I LinkedIn. I send you those sure. too. Yeah, yeah. Some of the Instagram and, and Facebook as well and, and anything else that uh, anybody who might be interested in what you're doing uh, can take a look and um, get a glimpse into the life of uh, Brian Hurley. And just for the last time, the book can be downloaded where? Um, I would say go to the Lean Six Sigma for good. F-O-R, not the number. Right. Good.com. And then there's three options. You can do uh, audio download through, just download the MP3, I think. It's available in Audible as well, but I think you have to pay something mm-hmm. to download it there. Um, and then you could order the book through Amazon or through my website. And there's a cost to that plus shipping. And then, or you can download the the ebook version, which is free as well. So the free things are the audiobook and the Kindle ebook version. All right, very good. Thank you, for, thank you again, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Good talking to you. Thanks for listening to episode two hundred and four of the E Success Methods podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at e6s-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? 
join our LinkedIn group and tell us why. Don't forget, you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. I got this Hartford staring me in the face like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) somebody ought to start that. (laughs) And um, uh, I just, so I think here I'll put the line in the sand, the the, the moment and and let the universe decide for me, The, the moment I can land a job in my home state, which is close to Hartford, uh, is the moment that I will start that group up. That's fair. I think that's that's important. I mean, everyone's got to have you know the right time of life. And so, we've had people in our in our volunteer group that have come in, and then life happens, and they get mm-hmm. a different job, or on sabbatical, or they, you know, they move out of the state. You know, there's things happen. So the timing has to be right. We don't want to be like, oh, I'd love to do this, and I can't start it, I can't focus on it. So, yeah, you'll know when the time is right to help, or, um, like I said, maybe it'll open, it'll start up on its own. 